Hello, this is Dr. Peng Xianqian, the editor in chief of Heart Rhythm. The first article of the April 2023 issue is titled "Right Bundle Branch Pacing: Criteria, Characteristics, and Outcomes." The authors found that right bundle branch pacing was observed in 19.2 percent, or 64 of 326 patients targeted for his bundle pacing. The right bundle branch pacing is present mainly among patients with potential to HR,、uh, to QRS complex interval of less than 35 milliseconds, and occasionally among the remaining patients. Right bundle branch pacing was characterized by longer QRS complex by 10.5 milliseconds, longer V6R WPT by 11.6 milliseconds, and better sensing by 2.6 millivolt compared with his bundle pacing. During median follow-up duration of 20, 29 months, no differences in capture threshold echocardiography outcomes. All mortality were found. The authors conclude that right bundle branch pacing has distinct features that separate from his bundle pacing, and is observed in approximately a fifth of patients in whom his bundle pacing is intended. The second article is titled "Single Beta Blocker or Combined Amiodarone Therapy in Implantable Cardioverter Defibrillator and Cardiac Resynchronization Therapy Defibrillator Patients." Insights from the German Device Registry. A total of 4,499 patients were enrolled from March 2007 to February 2014. Amiodarone had no significant effect on the success of defibrillation testing. However, one-year overall mortality was significantly higher in the beta blocker plus amiodarone cohort. With adjusted odds ratio of 2.09, among the surviving patients, amiodarone was not associated with a significantly reduced risk of ICD discharges or syncopal events. This data suggests an increased all-cause mortality under amiodarone therapy, especially in subgroups of patients with sinus rhythm or severely reduced left ventricular function. Next up is cardiovascular implantable electronic device lead safety, harnessing real-world remote monitoring data for medical device evaluation. Among 48,191 actively monitored patients with a cardiovascular implantable electric,、uh, electronic device, 1,170 or 2.4 percent had incident. Lead abnormalities detected by remote monitoring. Of these, 409 patients had administrative codes for lead failure, and 233 of these 409 patients, or 57.0 percent, had structural lead failure verified through chart review. In addition, 200 patients without preceding abnormal remote monitoring transmissions. Had leads abandoned or extracted for、uh, structural failure, making the total lead failure cohort of 600 patients, including 6.7% with remote monitoring abnormalities and 33.3% without. 
The authors conclude that remote monitoring may strengthen real-world assessment of lead failure. The next paper is Tumescent Local Anesthesia versus General Anesthesia for Subcutaneous Implantable Cardioverter Defibrillator Implantation, a cost-effective analysis. The present study is a prospective non-randomized controlled study of 70 patients who underwent SICD implantation between 2019 and 2022. The total cost of the electrophysiology laboratory was higher in the general anesthesia group than in the tumescent local anesthesia group, with a net saving of 20,821 when compared with general anesthesia for each SICD implantation. There was a significant decrease in post-procedural pain scores in the tumescent local anesthesia group compared with general anesthesia group. The authors conclude that tumescent local anesthesia is a more cost-effective alternative to general anesthesia for subcutaneous ICD implantation and is associated with reduced post-procedural pain. Up next is his bundle pacing and AV nodal ablation for non-controlled atrial arrhythmia, a technical challenge with major clinical benefits. AV nodal ablation following his bundle pacing lead implantation was performed in 75 patients. No lead dislodgement occurred during the AV nodal ablation procedures. Acute his bundle capture threshold increased by more than one volt occurred in 11 patients or 15%, with a return to baseline value on day one in nine patients. New York Heart Association functional class and left ventricular ejection fraction significantly improved from baseline to the last follow-up. The authors conclude that AV node ablation combined with his bundle pacing for non-controlled atrial arrhythmia was feasible and clinically efficient. Implanting the his bundle lead on the ventricular aspect of the tricuspid annulus and avoiding atrial signal recording can facilitate AV node ablation. Next up is electrocardiogram belt guidance for left ventricular lead placement and biventricular pacing optimization. The ECG belt system, or EBS, is a novel service mapping system designed to measure electrical desynchrony via the standard deviation of the activation times of the left ventricle. A total of 408 patients were randomized to EBS and control to guide LV lead placement. Although both patients with EBS and control patients had a mean improvement in left ventricular in systolic volume, there was no significant difference in relative change from baseline. The findings of the present study do not support EBS-guided therapy for CRT management of heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. The next paper is Remote Interrogation and Reprogramming of Cardiac Implantable Electronic Devices Using a Custom Multi-Vendor Solution. The solution consists of remote-controlling CIED programmers through screen capture and the remote cursor control. A total of 115 remote interrogations were performed in 110 patients. 
Complete CIED interrogations succeeded in all patients with reprogramming in 56 of 115 sessions, or 49%. No clinical or technical com uh, complications occurred. The authors conclude that remote interrogation and reprogramming of CIEDs are feasible and safe across disparate clinical contexts and distances. This strategy may enhance healthcare access and facilitate medical training, tele-exercise, and telework worldwide. Up next is cardiopulmonary capacity is reduced in children with ventricular arrhythmia. The study group consists of 49 children with PVCs and normal left ventricular function. The control group consists of 36 healthy volunteers. In 37 of 49 patients, or 76%, arrhythmia subsided during exercise. Patients achieved lower VO2 max than controls. Percent VO2 was 71% in patients and 79.3% in controls. Patients with persisting arrhythmia performed worse than those in whom arrhythmia subsided during exercise. The authors conclude that patients with PVCs have lower aerobic capacity than their healthy peers. Further worsening of exercise capacity is present when PVCs are preserved during effort. Next up is safety evaluation of smart scales, smart watches, and smart rings with bioimpedance technology shows evidence of potential interference in cardiac implantable electronic devices. The interference at the pacing electrode was determined by simulations on a male and a female computable model. Simulations showed evidence of interference with voltage values exceeding threshold values defined in the ISO 14117 standard. The level of interference generated with smart scale and smart rings simulations was lower than with smart watches. Across device manufacturers, generators demonstrated susceptibility to oversensing and pacing inhibition at different signal amplitudes and frequencies. These results indicate that consumer electronic devices could interfere with patients with CIEDs. The present finding do not recommend using these devices in this population due to potential interference. The next article is heart sound derived systolic volume intervals for atrial ventricular delay optimization in cardiac resynchronization therapy. Five pigs with AV block underwent biventricular pacing while phonocardiography was collected from an epicardial accelerometer. In 21 patients undergoing cardiac resynchronization therapy device implantation, PCG was recorded with a pulse generator embedded microphone. They also found that during bi-V pacing with varying AV inter uh, delays, close relationship exists between PCG-derived systolic type intervals and hemodynamic parameters. 
AV delays advised by PCG-derived cathodic time intervals cause only a minimal loss of pump function compared with those based on invasive hemodynamic measurements. Up next is curcumin, a dietary natural supplement. Prolongs the action potential duration in KCNE1-D85N induced pluripotent stem cell-derived cardiomyocytes. The authors showed that these cardiomyocytes demonstrated significant APD prolongation with the treatment of 10 nanomole of curcumin. This study provides pharmacological and functional evidence to suggest that curcumin, a dietary natural supplement, might cause APD prolongation in patients with common, potentially proarrhythmic functional variants such as KCNE1-D85N. The next one is SGK1 inhibition attenuates the action potential duration in re-engineered heart cell models of drug-induced QT prolongation. Inhibition of serin and glucocorticoid-regulated kinase 1, or SGK1, reduces the APD in induced pluripotent stem cell-derived cardiomyocytes, derived from patients with congenital long QT syndrome. The APD was prolonged in normal iPSC-CMs treated with dofetilide. The authors found that 10 minimal mexilatine, 30 nanomole of SGK1 I1, and 300 nanomole of SGK1 I2 shortened the APD90 of dofetilide treated iPSC cardiomyocytes. The authors conclude that these novel SGK1 Is substantially attenuated the pathogenic pathological APD prolongation in a human heart cell model of drug-induced QT prolongation. There are three contemporary reviews in this issue. The first one is titled Systematic Review of Long QT Syndrome Identified During Fetal Life. The authors conclude that a longer fetal QTC and the combination of antenatal VT or trosadepone or functional 2 to 1 AV block and lack of family history along QT syndrome were predictive of death. A second review is a systematic review of global autopsy rates in all cause mortality and young sudden deaths. The authors conclude that most countries globally do not report autopsy rates in either all cause deaths or in sudden deaths. Without transparent reporting of autopsy rates, global burdens of disease and rates of sudden cardiac deaths cannot be reliably calculated. A third review is new insights in atrial ventricular nodal anatomy, physiology, and immunochemistry. The authors try to identify the slow potential of nodal and inferior extension structures by using automated mapping of atrial activation during both sinus rhythm and typical slow-fast AVNRT. This was followed by a creative concept paper titled New Insights into the Mechanisms of Fast and Slow Conduction in the Atrial Ventricular Node. The authors conclude that the inferior extensions and the part of the ring tissues comprise the sub substrate of the so-called slow pathway during re-entry. 
The journal also publishes seven research letters. The first is titled "Magnetomechanical Fetal Cardiac Imaging: Feasibility of a New Multimodal Technique." The authors showed the feasibility of simultaneous fetal magnetocardiography, fetal echocardiography using a modified、uh, version of fetal magnetocardiography system. The next research letter is flaconine in patients with arrhythmic mitral valve syndrome. The authors reported a reduction of ventricular arrhythmia after initiation of flaconine and low-dose beta blockers. A third letter is morbid obesity is associated with increased procedural complications and worse in-hospital outcomes after percutaneous left atrial appendage occlusion device implantation. The authors report that morbidity, morbidly obese patients, had significantly higher adjusted odds of overall complications than did non-obese patients. That letter is followed by one titled "Cardioneuroablation for Carotid Sinus Syndrome: A Case Series." The authors report that during follow-up of 12 to 17 months. None of the five patients had syncope recurrences or sinus pauses of greater than two seconds on Holter recording. The fifth one is detection and identification of cardiac implanted electronic devices in a large dataset of chest radiographs using semi-supervised artificial intelligence methods. The authors demonstrated that convolutional neural networks. Could be used to detect CIED, quantify image quality, as well as identify CIED manufacturer and device type. The sixth letter is knowledge, preferences of post-explant management, and opinions towards reuse of patients with cardiac implantable electronic devices. The authors found that the vast majority of patients with CIEDs. Are willing to donate devices to patients without access to new devices. The final research letter is instance of infranodal conduction delay in patients with left bundle branch block after transcatheter aortic valve replacement. Impact of the 2021 ESC guidelines for cardiac pacing. The authors conclude that in patients with LBBB after TAVR. The instance of infranodal conduction delay is 10%. Predefined surface ECG criteria offer excellent safety for ruling out infranodal conduction delay, especially in women. I hope you enjoyed this podcast for Heart Rhythm. I'm the editor in chief, Dr. Pengshen Chen.